Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. I'm Dr. Jody Mullen, and this podcast is dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children help children behave and be their best. I've been a child counselor and play therapist for almost 30 years, and I'm also a mom. This puts me in a perfect position to share with you lessons about children that I've learned from children themselves. These lessons have informed my parenting and my consulting with parents. I recognize in working with thousands of children and parents that there are some basic and fundamental principles that can make our relationships with children, our parenting, and parenthood in general less stressful and more joyful. How great does that sound? I've whittled down these basic principles and I share them with you as well as other lessons learned here and they can have um, so that you can benefit from them and they can enhance your relationships that you have with children, the way you feel with connection to children as well. These lessons will improve your overall parenting esteem. In this episode, we're talking about anger and aggression. Faye is with me again today. Hi, Faye. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm glad you're here. Faye's got a little bit of a different take on what she's going to do today. Usually, Faye and I are talking about being perfectly whelmed, which we'll get back to. But today, Faye's job is she's going to be asking me questions about children and um, aggression and anger that were submitted on our social media. Before we tackle these, Faye, what's the best way for um, people um, to contact us to submit future questions or topics that they want to um, us to address here on Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids? Sure. Uh, they can visit our website, uh, which is integrativecounseling.us. Uh, we have a submission box. We also have an email address that goes directly to me, which is integrativecounselingstore at gmail.com. Uh, or you could find us on any of our social media platforms and submit directly there. Awesome. Thank you. Because this is a fun thing. This is the first time we've um, done address questions like this uh, in the past. Uh, certainly topics have come from our social media and context in, in the way that you're talking about, but this is the first time we're addressing specific questions. Um, so more for more on parenting and children, check out my book, Raising Speakersly Well-Behaved Kids, that was inspired by children and the conversations in this podcast. You can also find that as well as additional resources at that same website uh, that Faye just mentioned, which is just integrativecounseling.us. And you can hang out with us on social uh, media, at, on my Instagram, I'm at uh, Dr. Jody Mully, and at Facebook, um, at Integrative Counseling. I also, because of especially the nature of uh, what we're talking about today and Faye asking these questions directly, I, I just want to reiterate when I share stories related to any kind of clinical work, I'm making every effort to disguise any identifying information and any likenesses um, would just be a coincidence. So there we go. All right, Faye, I'm ready. Let me have it. What are some of the questions that our listeners wanted to get answers to? Sure. Uh, so this one actually comes from a licensed mental health counselor. And okay. she says that these are the questions that parents have been asking her lately. Uh, there's okay. three and they're related. So I guess we'll start with the first one, which is, what should I do when my child hits me? Okay. So um, that, that in some ways depends on age. So um, 
different if a 15, obviously, year old is hitting you versus a two-year-old hitting you. So I'm going to take it as if it comes from a younger child. Um, and this is such a good question because there's so many pieces to this puzzle, but there is one simple thing that can really be helpful. And that is don't hit your kids. So if you don't want your child to hit you, you cannot hit them. You just cannot. It does not make any sense to a child. And I'm going to give you, this is really such a great example of a lesson that I've learned from a child. So um, I was working with this little boy, uh, and again, this had to be about 20 years ago, but I was working with this little boy um, six, seven years old, and I was seeing him for um, selective mutism. So he wasn't speaking in school and um, only a little bit at home. But when he would come into counseling with me, he would he liked to talk and he would use that time. So anyway, um, when he came into the playroom, the therapeutic playroom one day, he started off by saying, um, how come I get in, in trouble for hitting my little brother? And he was really, I could see that he was like really trying to figure out like why he would get in trouble for that. Like that didn't make sense to him. So I just responded to him and I said, it's confusing to you why um, you aren't allowed to hit your little brother or hurt your little brother. And he said exactly this. My mom hits me. So for kids, when they are hit, when they are um, spanked, when they are disciplined in a physical way, then they are likely to uh, respond in kind. And so if you don't want your, the simplest thing that I can tell you is if you don't want your children to hit you, if you don't want them to hit the, their siblings, if you don't want them to, um, to hit your pets, don't hit them. So if you're already not doing that, part B, is that you just really need to continue to reiterate that. So um, in, even in, with my children, we had times where that they, they would hit. It's a natural reaction to protection and safety and aggression. And so we would just say, like, in this house, there's no hitting. We don't hit you. We don't hit the cats. You don't hit each other. You are not allowed to do it. When, if it's a very young child, like a toddler, you want to get in the way, physically in the way of them hitting. So if they like put their hand up to hit you, you want to um, take their hand and then say those same things. I am not for hitting. The other thing, <laughs> this, this is such, why I said this is such a great question because there's so many pieces to this. The other thing that is really help, that is really helpful here is that when you tell a child what they can't do, you should tell them what they can do. So I, so if a child hits you, oftentimes it's because they're mad or frustrated. So you want to acknowledge that. You're really mad at me right now or you're really frustrated. You can't hit me, but you can go over there and stomp your feet. You can't hit me, but you can hit the pillow. You can't hit me, but you can tell me, Mommy, I am mad at you, right? So you give them what they can do. Um, and so you're helping them build a set of pro-social ways to handle anger and aggression. Awesome. That was a great answer. Um, and I kind of think that this next question goes right off of that, um, possibly. So um, how should you handle a biter? Yeah, same way, right? I'm not for biting. Um, the, 
give them a way to express whatever they are needing to express. Again, oftentimes biting is connected to aggression, um, frustration, anger, um, just getting kind of like unraveled, like overwhelmed. And so you want to give them an alternative to that. It, it does depend, again, on where they are developmentally. One of the things I learned, not from a, a child, but I learned um, because of my child, uh, my older uh, child was a biter um, when she was really little. And the way that our pediatrician explained it to me is that she's really trying to, it wasn't that she was doing it out of anger or aggression. I would just be holding her. And um, when she was more of an infant and a toddler and she would bite me and it hurt so bad, like it made me see stars. And so my pediatrician said, uh, yeah, it was terrible that that was because of teething. And so you want to just make sure that if it's a child who's still teething, even, you know, older teeth teething, is that they have something that they can bite on. So, again, you redirect them. Like, I know that your teeth really hurt or that you're in a lot of pain because of your mouth, but you can't bite mommy. You, instead, you can bite on this cold washcloth or, you know, something. You give them an alternative something. If they are biting out of frustration and anger and not pain, then you would use the same kind of technique or the same way of handling that that you would hitting. Awesome. Thanks, Jody. Um, another one from the same person is, what should I do when my child says I hate you? Ah, well, they're mad at you. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so what you don't want to do is tell them that's not nice to say or, you know, anything like that. Because what they are doing, it's actually a great thing. I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's a great thing because they are they feel safe enough to express their feelings, especially their strong feelings to you. So part of it is, as a parent, you're situated to know why they are saying that. Are they frustrated with you? Are they um, upset with you? Are, are they trying to make you feel sad? Like, what is it? Why is your child saying that they hate you? Is it because you went buy them something that they wanted or um, something like that? So, when your child tells you that they hate you, um, if you can kind of get a sense about what that's about, that's what you respond to. So, um, for instance, if they're frustrated, if my child's frustrated with me and they tell me they hate me, I, I'm just going to respond that you're really mad at re me right now. Thank you for letting me know. I, I think it's really important to couch it in time. When a child says they hate you, that doesn't mean they hate you always. It means in that moment they hate you. So if you respond that you're really mad at me right now, that is what they're trying to tell you when they say that they hate you. Or um, you can also, if, if you think they're trying to like, uh, like hurt you by saying that, you can also say that. You can say, um, I can see that you're trying to hurt me right now. I know that you are really mad now or really upset now, but I also know that you love me anyway. The other thing that you can do is you can say that you're really mad at me right now and you're hating on me, but I love you, even when you hate me. Um, so 
And sometimes it's the way kids put, are trying to push parents away. Um, there's so many reasons why a child might say that they hate you. I always think the parent is the one who is, knows best about that. And so if you can figure that out, if you can say like, oh, I know why they're telling me they hate me, it's because I'm making them eat their broccoli, you know, like whatever it is. <laughs> if you can just like kind of identify that and say, I know you're really mad at me. So most of the time it isn't that they really hate you. They're really mad at you. And that's the best way for them to express it with such a, with such strong language. The other thing is, and I know this is really, really difficult. The other thing is to not take that personally. It hurts so much when children say that, you know, to us as parents. Um, it pushes our buttons in all kinds of ways. So to just be able to acknowledge that it's only it's in that moment that they're really angry at you, that they're you should be very um, proud of yourself as a parent because your child feels safe enough to express such a strong feeling directly to you, and to not uh, take that personally in beyond in that moment they are angry. That's such a great point, Jody. Thanks. Okay. Um, so this next one's a little bit long. Um, oh. I'm just going to start from the beginning of this one because I think the context matters. Uh, okay. So this person says, I work with primary school students in a day treatment setting. I work okay. with a student specifically whose play is quite aggressive and they don't talk at all during session. Um, my attempt to track play and reflect effect are either met with indifference or increased aggression. Uh, do you have any tips for how to best navigate this presentation? Oh, wow. Okay. So this is from somebody who is a clinician and they're seeing yeah. um, a lot of aggression in the play of a child who's nonverbal. Okay. So a couple of things is one um, is that what is, how is the aggression serving the child? So like, what does it do for them? My, my quick take on this, and this is, this is a pretty involved, um, question and it may be a pretty involved answer and so I'm hoping there's like um, takeaway pieces for for our listeners on this so first of all um, you can't make a child talk so um, so that's one thing and so um, and this is something we talk a lot about on Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids Podcast is we talk a lot about that children communicate in all sorts of ways. They communicate through their play. They communicate through their body language, their facial expressions. Um, they communicate through sound effects that they make, uh, right? All of those things um, are other ways that they communicate with us. And it sounds like the person who submitted this question already understands that, which, you know, play therapists do right so it's so they're already taking in that part but I wanted to lay that foundation so that all like people can benefit all our listeners can benefit from that is that um, when you're paying attention to your to your child or children that you're connected to there all of those aspects of um, them their body language their facial expressions their um, sound effects that they make of course, their verbalizations and their play is like you have a lot more to pull from in terms of understanding them completely um, because those are all the forms of communication that they're, that they're using. Okay, so one of the things that I would want to be paying attention to is what the purpose, the aggression, or the anger has. So sometimes we think about anger and aggression as, a, as an acting 
a way that um, a child is acting towards us um, that is directed at like causing harm. But, but I think if we kind of pan out and look at it from a bigger picture, especially children who are in like a day treatment program and have mental health needs, sometimes that is a child trying to protect themselves. So it might be that they're trying to protect themselves physically. It might be that they're trying to protect themselves relationally. If children have had a lot of experiences being let down, hurt, abandoned, maltreated by adults, it can be scary for them to have this other adult, this play therapist, be, feel so connected. And so the reason that that play therapist might be seeing that is that that child is actually scared. So I wouldn't just reflect what the feelings that I'm seeing. I would reflect what might be underneath the surface. So I'm going to give a clinical example. Years ago, I worked with this um, child who when uh, we were in the therapeutic playroom, would really um, be very mean to me (laughs) with their language. So they would use a lot of colorful language and swear words, um, and they would, you know, sort of uh, berate me. Um, And this might sound like really uh, bizarre to people who don't do this, this work, but it was really important to this child to let me know what they were going through. This is how they were treated. And so the therapeutic part was I didn't have to respond the way they did. I could show them alternative ways of responding when somebody was being cruel to you. So anyway, um, this child kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And I felt like they were stuck a bit in their therapy, the play therapy around this. So at some point, I finally said to the child, um, no matter how mean the words are that you use towards me and how many F words you call me, I'm still going to like you. I can't help it. And this nine-year-old boy um, was like, he was kind of stunned by it. And then he took one look at me and he went, effing Jody. <laughs> and, um, but it was really that he really was trying to push me away because ultimately all the other adults in his life left him. And so he, so in a way he was doing this out of anxiety. He was saying like, I know you're going to leave me. I know you're going to abandon me. I know at some point I'm going to irritate you so much that you're going to pull your acceptance and love away from me. So I just had to sort of intervene there. Um, I don't know that that um, fully answers the question that was submitted. It's hard for me to give that level of consultation without a bit more detail. But I think in just in terms of foundationally, if that's what's happening, um, that could be it. One more thing about traumatized kids, and if it, it sounds like this also may be a traumatized kid that this uh, play therapist is talking about, is traumatized kids have to turn off their emotions, um, all, even traumatized adults do, um, in order to, to survive. Like, they have to numb out for a little while. And when we are reflecting feelings back to people, whether they're children or adults, and they have been traumatized, we might be turning that on too quickly. So sometimes um, with traumatized kids, I want to just be really thoughtful about 
um, the not just the re- reflections of feelings that I'm making, but how many of those I'm making. So I might be, um, I'm, I'm more likely to just pepper a session with reflections rather than make as many reflections as I typically would in terms of what that child is showing me. So that's the last thing I can think of without, like I said, getting more into the nitty gritty and having more details uh, around that. Gotcha. Um, I also have another question from the same person. Um, not mm-hmm. entirely sure if this is aggression related, but I guess you'll decide that. Um, so the agency, she says, the agency I work for highly values TFCBT as a treatment modality. Um, do you have any resources for how to use TFCBT from a play therapy standpoint? Okay. So, again, that's a big question. Um, and so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do, again, I'll try to, like, simplify it and identify some of that code language that's being used there. So TFCBT um, is trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's used with um, children and um, adults that have been traumatized. The thing is, it is because it is cognitive behavioral therapy, trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, it doesn't have, um, it doesn't weave into it play as a form of communication. And so um, although you can be kind of clever about how you do that. It is a pretty complicated thing to weave those um, two together. So what I would say is that um, is all the ways that trauma-focused CBT allows children to talk or verbalize um, is that I would also give children an invitation or an opportunity to communicate that through play. Um, And again, I think that that is, um, how do I want to say it? I think that that is probably something that deserves um, supervision or consultation beyond just answering that question. I think it can be done, but there are some complications about it. The easiest way for me to explain that, and and I think a takeaway that um, everybody who listens to our podcast can take away is that play is another way that children communicate. And so if you want to um, expand the opportunities for understanding the children in your world, you want to ex- make sure you're extending an invitation for them to play. Awesome. I think that was a great answer for a very complicated question. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that thing. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is the last question that we have, and it was submitted on our Instagram. Um, So this one is, my 10-year-old and 7-year-old are constantly bickering. How do we help our 10-year-old use a better tone and not to mock her brother if he's upset or even if he's trying to talk to her, ask her questions? Okay. So there's actually more than one question in that question. So say the very first part again to me, say, about bickering, because that's what I want to address first. Sure. Uh, So they said, my 10-year-old and 7-year-old are constantly bickering. Okay. So let's Um, start there. Yeah. All right. So that sounds very annoying to me. Um, first of all, uh, just as a parent and as a person, I think bickering is hard to listen to. Also, um, and this may be just more of a personal standpoint on that, um, is that 
I don't like to be involved in bickering. So I think that's part of why it made me a little cringy when I heard that. Um, of course, that your children are going to have some back and forth. And again, this speaks to modeling. So you want to make sure that you're not modeling bickering. So how do you um, connect and um, and relationally demonstrate not bickering. If you catch yourself bickering in front of your kids, what I would do is just own it and be like, ah, oh, partner and I aren't doing a very good job of listening to each other. We're just going like <laughs> back and forth. And I would really you know, <laughs> um, scale it down to the ages of the kids. I think that um, this submission said 10 and 7. I think you could you could literally do it that way with a 10 and 7-year-old. And then actually even incorporate them into that. So if there is bickering happening among adults, um, uh, you I think highlighting it that it's not working and maybe even then asking the kids, what do you think we could do better? Because we're not doing a very good job of listening to or talking to each other. Um, that and, and then I think you can take that same exact thing is when children are bickering is to um, to slow down their process. Uh, I think that a lot of times that happens when there's a lot of energy or agitation around that. So if I, my children are bickering um, in their 10 and 7, what I want to do is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys are not listening to each other. It's like, okay, let's slow it down. And, and literally um, help them slow down the process of communication. So I might say, uh, I'll use my kids' names, Leah, what are you trying to tell Andrew? Okay, Andrew, can you tell Leah what you heard her say? Like, okay, and then Andrew, can you tell Leah how you feel about what she was just trying to tell you? So you're, you're really just slowing it down in bickering, that's what we're trying to do. We're just not doing it very effectively. And so slowing it down can be super helpful to uh, working that out. Okay. Awesome. So I think I would... Do you want part two? <laughs> I do want part two. Thanks, Meg. Sure. Okay. So how do we help our 10-year-old use a better tone and not mock her brother if he's upset or even when he's trying to talk to her, ask her questions? Okay. So um, helping her use a better tone would, again, I'm always, this is always going to come back to what we model for them, is you using a better tone or you being aware of your tone or slowing down the process again. So if she is using a more mocking tone like, eh, <laughs> that's my impression of a mocking tone, Faye, by the way. If she's using a mocking Spot tone. Spot on. <laughs> thank you. Is is to ask her about that is like um is ask her about like can you hear that in your voice what 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 are you trying to let him know by saying like it that way i'm wondering if you can say it a different way and then try on different ways to say it i also think it's important to bring silliness into this so um, so say, could you, I'm putting you on the spot. Can you say something in a mocking tone for me so I can demonstrate it? Oh God. All right. Let me think of something. Okay. So how about say, um, you cry at everything. Okay. Jody, you cry at everything. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So now if I witness, um, Faye doing that, um, with her sibling, I can, uh, I can say like, oh, it, uh, 
I want to honor how Faye is feeling. It bothers you when your brother cries and stuff. So then I can say, how can you let your brother know that in a different way? Because it sounds like his, it looks like his feelings get hurt when you say that. So, um, you know, a lot of times this is where a kid will stall out, especially even a 10-year-old, um, or get annoyed at you by slowing it down. So I might say, could you say it like this? I don't like when you do that. You know, just something really. <laughs> um, and so, so that's exactly, um, you know, what you do is like, because if you can insert some humor in there, if you can, then you can diffuse that, that a bit. Um, and we're about to run out of time. But I would say the other part of this is, is acknowledging that it hurts him is that if you can find another with the with the older child to say um you know it looks like it hurts your brother and then um you know highlight that i know you're not the kind of older sister who wants to hurt your brother so i think you you want to illuminate that even though they're acting a particular way underneath it all is that the older child really loves their brother. So sometimes I will say, even though you're really annoyed at your brother right now, or even though you're making fun of your brother right now, I know that you really love him. Is there a way that you can show him that part of you too? So you extend an invitation for the complexity. All of us get annoyed and um, by people that we love. Whew, there, we did it. Awesome. Thanks, Jody. I'm sure everyone really appreciates you getting through their questions. I sure hope so. And I'd love to do that again. So um, if you're one of our listeners, please go ahead and we've for you to um, submit questions and topics and we will really attend to them. Thank you so much, Faye, for doing this with me today. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right.